Welcome to Three Books, an ELA Area Public Library podcast. I'm Kristen Weiser. And I'm Becca Boland. Welcome to Booksgiving. We're doing something a little bit different in that this is not going to be going forward, the typical format for our show, but since this is the second one, <laughs> maybe you don't know any different. <laughs> um, this is our special holiday program. So, Kristen, how did we go about obtaining the books that we're going to talk about today? Um, we spoke with staff at ELO Library getting recommendations from um, anyone that really loves books uh, and has something to share that they thought would be a good present for the holidays. And we asked for not only books that they were giving, but books they were hoping to receive. Right. So there's a blend of both of Mm -hmm. those. Yeah, and we're fortunate we have a lot of book lovers. Obviously, in a library, you would think that would be the case, but um, we have recommendations from folks who work in our tech department who put labels on books. Um, They may not sit at a public desk, but they really are passionate about reading. So these are some great um, titles that we're going to share, and we're really thankful that they share those with us. So the genres we're going to cover today, depending on your gift giving, who you might want to give these books to, or what you might want to put on your own list, Um, we're going to cover adult fiction and nonfiction. Young adult fiction. I think there's just one or two young adult nonfiction titles. And then we're going to do children, but we're going to break it down into um, chapter books, early chapter books, and picture and board books. Mm-hmm. Then we're also going to have a little bonus at the bonus. end. Bonus, bonus. content. <laughs> um, where we talk about books, not books, specifically not books. No, we're done with for, books. No, that's when we're going to stop talking about books (laughs) and start talking about (laughs) gifts for book lovers. Eh? Ah. Um, So if you have someone in your life that Mm -hmm. you know loves to read and you can't imagine buying them a book because they are such a prolific reader that you are sure that anything you come up with they've already read, these are some some gifts just for those people. Or if you feel strongly that you should get books from the library. Yes, correct. Some people, this is probably something we could talk about on a future episode, but there are some people that have like certain criteria for Mm -hmm. books um, that live in their house on their shelves versus books that they get from the library. And it goes back to what we've discussed previously about if you are a rereader or not, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, or an a someday rereader, or you have the intention of rereading, although you may never do that. So ruminate on that for another time <laughs> coming soon to your ears <laughs> so we'll have um, a bunch of titles and you can get the full list on uh, our website www.eapl.org slash three books okay so let's jump right into it with yeah. some adult fiction and Kristen you have a really great way to kick this off yeah um The first title that we have is called Sourdough. Um, It's by Robin Sloan, and uh, some of you may have heard of him. Uh, His first book was Mr. Penumbra's Twinkle Bookstore. Did you read that one? I did. That's a really good YA crossover book, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
is sourdough, or is it? Would you say more firmly yeah. in the adult? No, fiction? I think we could. You could sell it to a teen pretty yeah. easily. Or a new adult, as they or like to call them. Yes, yes. And I would give this to my friends who love Terry Pratchett. It's got that sort of quirky science aspect to it. I don't know how he did it, uh-huh. but he makes the sourdough starter have like a personality. Oh. Um, and it's about a girl who moves to Silicon Valley, gets her first tech job. She programs robots, which is really cool. She makes them, like, move more realistically to humans so that they can be taught how to bake bread or bake a cake or... Sort of, like, a, maybe to assist people Yeah, who, in, like, a kitchen setting yeah. specifically. Like, that's what she's trying to do. Um, but she's finding her diet isn't working for her. She's drinking what they call sludge, which is, like, your protein drink kind of deal. And it's just not... Not doing much for her, so she accidentally runs into this uh, brother uh, baking, soup making family, um, and they have to leave quickly and move back to Scotland because their visa ran out, and they gift her the sourdough starter, which takes on a life of its own. That sounds really interesting. It's very interesting, um, and it surprised me. It was funny. Um, some well-timed Star Wars references that were. Hilarious. Um, so. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Courtney at our service desk um, recommends Behind Closed Doors by B.A. Paris. Is it the perfect marriage or mm. the perfect lie? Dun, 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 dun. dun. Um, it's, a, it's for fans of domestic thrillers, uh, Gone Girl, Lie to Me, Girl on the Train, um, those kind of books. So if you know someone who has... Those three books on their bedside table already. Yeah. This is one to add add to that. Yep. If they're ones who want to know what's going on behind closed doors. Oh. There you go. What, reading it behind closed doors and finding out about behind closed doors. <laughs> That's very meta. It's, it's layered. It's layered. Um, you've heard us speak of My Favorite Thing is Monsters yeah. by Emil Ferris. Um, it's a graphic novel. Um, we are probably not going to stop talking about this book. I don't think so, apparently. Um, um, I would like to read it, but everybody has it checked out. That's a real situation um i am so excited because the next book comes out in the spring um so i'm sure we'll mention it again then um we're gonna get everybody in at least the chicago land area to read this book and hopefully beyond um i think that i've mentioned that it's a graphic novel it's set in late 60s chicago so definitely great um for anyone that you know that's from the Chicagoland area or um, grew up in Chicago or just has a love for Chicago. Um, It is the fictional diary of a 10-year-old girl. Her name is Karen Reyes. Um, She's trying to solve the mystery of the murder of her neighbor. It does this really amazing job of weaving the past and the present together with, like, the look of pulp monster magazines and and also B-movies. I would strongly recommend this being a book where you go and you physically lay your hands on it and, like, flip through it if you have the opportunity to. If you don't want to read it and or give it as a gift and or sit by your front door until spring waiting for the second book to come out or sit in front of the library, <laughs> um, then <laughs> you'll, you'll know that this isn't the book for you. I personally am going to give this book to my uncle, um, who is a very avid and vast reader. Um, I think that it's 
totally in his wheelhouse. He'll really dig it. And again, this book has been recommended by Amanda and Christine and myself and Celicia and Alexis, all from the popular materials department. Um, It's just a great book. And then you already have next year's gift ready to go. Although if they can wait until next holiday Mm -hmm. season to read the second book, then that's some serious restraint. (laughs) (laughs) Or you just give them a gift card with the date of the next book that comes out Ah. so that they can go and get it themselves. Just a thought. Um, The next book is Lincoln in the Bardot by George Saunders. It was a New York Times bestseller and winner of the Man Booker Prize, so you may have heard of it. Um, It's recommended by Christine at the Info Desk, specifically for people who are drawn to the weird. I don't Um, know anyone like that. No. (laughs) Um, But maybe it's one of my favorite reviews (laughs) for that. Um, And it's playing on the uh, father-son story of Abraham Lincoln and his um, grief uh, over the loss of his son, but what's interesting about it is that um, some some of the characters are not alive, mm-hmm. um, but are very much characters involved in the story. So I think it's a unique take. It kind of reminds me of um, the Graveyard Book. That's exactly what I was for going adults, to say. That's which awesome. Is the a- Graveyard Book, I would argue, is also for adults, but I understand that it was written explicitly for adults and also but the thing about this book um from my understanding is that the format of it is a little bit okay different Mm -hmm. um in that there are some like footnotes and like annotations Mm -hmm. but not from what i understand historical ones like ones that relate to the they're like asides kind of um which makes for a really interesting reading experience and a different reading experience and so if you yeah i like something that's a little bit different if you want to give something that's a little different this is a good choice and then i am happy to recommend a gentleman in moscow by amor tolls i would give this to my friends who are foodies they love gourmet food they love cooking for people they love wine going to vineyards and uh, this book is about a man who is an aristocrat in russia and it starts out with him kind of before tribunal in the Russian Revolution, and he manages somehow to convince them that he's kind of on their side a little bit, and so he avoids a death penalty. But he's stuck in a hotel in Moscow for the rest of his life. Um, If he leaves it, he'll be shot. Um, And so the question is, how is he possibly going to exist this way. It's really heartwarming, good character study, and um, the reason I read it was because somebody described it as the Grand Budapest Hotel meets Eloise. Um, One of my favorite movies and one of my favorite books growing up as a kid, Um, and I think that was pretty spot on. That's awesome. And then you also had another book that you were super passionate about specifically you listened to on audio, correct? And this is another one where... uh, it's kind of like getting a cold at the desk. You pass it around to everybody. <laughs> and No matter how many Clorox wipes we use. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get rid of these great no. books or no. something. We, we, they are contagious. Pretty much everybody at the desk who's read it or listened to it has fallen in love with it. It's called Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. It's by Gail Honeyman. Um, I believe it's her first book. And it's funny and quirky. Um... It has gives you some feels, um, and it's for people who loved um, the Rosie Project or a man called. I'm going to get this wrong. Possibly, of I believe Ove. it's Ove. Ove. Okay, 
I think that I know that because a friend of mine listened to it on audio, and that's huh. the the key to learning pronunciation of difficult characters' names is let someone else do it. <laughs> um, so I believe it's Ove. I like it. Man called Ove. Mm-hmm. According to the audiobook. Um, and it's just one of those like kind of prickly character. She, uh, Eleanor, she's not fine. Um, and spoiler alert. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's fine. Um, and she, but she's somebody I got really attached to. And um, she has a very satisfying. If you love a good character study, she has a really satisfying arc, and you meet a lot of endearing characters. Um, but I think what she deals with is real, and the author just handled it in a really awesome way. So um, you, that is recommended by me, by Amanda, by Barb, by everybody. Um, all the readers. All the readers. Um, the next one was recommended by Brenda. Um, she actually works in our Discovery Tech Department, um, but she is a super voracious reader. She recommends Murder at the Brightwell by Ashley Weaver. This is a book. So with the new Murder on the Orient Express yes. movie coming out, there's a newfound so passion for um, all things Agatha Christie. Yep. Um, also, if you have someone in your life who is a big Downton Abbey fan mm-hmm. or upstairs, downstairs, that kind of feel, this is the book to give them. Um, it's a debut mystery. It's a stylish novel where um, murder invades British polite society mm-hmm. and romance springs in unexpected places. Mm-hmm. So if you know someone in your life that's a mystery reader or who's super psyched about the new Agatha Christie movie or loves that Downton Abbey experience, this is the way to go. Yeah. Our final book fiction recommendation was recommended by Melissa, who yeah. works in our adult reference department. Yes. She's our business librarian. She takes care of business. She uh, <laughs> is all about the business. <laughs> she's, she's also in your business. Well, <laughs> oh no, she's she's not. super she's adorable great. and cute. And she's another one who reads like a crazy person, like a crazy person, like a delightful crazy person. And in fact. Mm-hmm. She is going to be our guest in December. I'm so excited. She has a really awesome Instagram where she does the bookstagramming, um, Mm -hmm. which we'll have her talk a little bit about what that means next time. But um, as a result, she thinks about books in a different way, and she reads in a slightly different way, um, which is so awesome. So I I am behind anything that she recommends. This is Amanda Wakes Up by Allison Camerata. Is that how you would pronounce her name? We'll have to listen to the audio. Mm -hmm. See, yes. This book actually gets a blurb from um, Samantha B, who has the show um, Full Frontal. Um, she says that it's a, a hilarious, eye-opening glimpse into the TV news trenches. And interestingly, I just heard that there's going to be a television show with Jennifer Aniston and I believe Reese Witherspoon about oh. like a morning news anchor experience. Uh-huh. So this might be even more relevant yeah. soon um, when people want to all things news anchory. Yeah, because <laughs> that's how how yes. reading happens yes. when there's something in the zeitgeist that everybody yeah that wants to live oh, in well it. Well done, you brought in zeitgeist. You know. There's your word for the day, people. Yeah, so anyway, um, Amanda lands her dream job as a TV news anchor, um, but her ideals are quickly torn to shreds by impossible standards. And standards, mm-hmm. not standards, because those aren't even a thing. <laughs> and, um, a hotly contested election, which 
I'm, our country knows nothing about. No. So um, layered excitement there. Um, so Amanda wakes up. So we're going to go directly into adult nonfiction, which I feel like there are some people, going back to our discussion earlier, who like to own nonfiction books, Mm -hmm. but don't necessarily like to own fiction books because they only read them once, but a nonfiction book is something they'll go back to to reference. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they make for really great gifts. And really great opportunities to pair them with... Other thing like book bundles, which are super fun, we're discovering. Um, so there's a lot that you can do. Whether or not you read nonfiction, um, they they make for fun gifts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I know the first one is quite near and quite dear to you. Yeah. Um, Devotions by Mary Oliver is a new collection of her poetry from her earlier writings up through her current. It's a really great introduction to anybody who... Um, wants to read more poetry. I find that her style is really elegant and unfussy. Um, I like how she teaches me how to pay attention to everyday things like a tree or a river or, you know, just the the landscape that's around us. So um, she has a great voice and uh, I'm excited. So Mary Oliver. Mary Oliver. A nice tea sampling. A mug. A cozy blanket. (laughs) But I feel like if we're talking about like a lovely... Yeah. gift experience like I that's a good way to go about it. yeah mm-hmm. it's like it, this is a cozy yeah. a cozy focus huh oh, yeah mm-hmm. great yep. and a really good especially for winter mm-hmm. when you're stuck inside she'll help you yeah sit by the window watch the snowfall mm-hmm. read some mary oliver yeah. enjoy some tea gosh good stuff that's good stuff that's that higgy higgy hoogy <laughs> We'll ask Melissa. <laughs> we'll ask Melissa. <laughs> but that kind of embracing of all things warm and cozy yeah. in the in the wintertime. Yeah. Um, you all know what I'm talking about. We'll put a little link to, to what it is yeah. on the ye olde website. Um, so it, for something completely different. <laughs> totally. Although different. the next two are kind of, um, they can kind of be related. Um, from Here to Eternity, Traveling the World to Find the Good Death by Caitlin Doughty. Doughty? Yes. This was recommended by Alexis, who works in our makerspace, The Forge. He feels that it's a great cultural look at an unexpected topic. And basically, this book is written because, specifically in America, there is um, this kind of fear of death, fear of dead bodies. um, A taboo around it. A taboo around it. um, The kind of separating yourself from it and letting someone else handle it. Um, And she thought that was really interesting because she is a mortician. Um, And so she went out to look at how other cultures handle death, specifically how they deal with the dead. Um, There's some really interesting... Each chapter is broken down by um, a particular country, and then within that country, a couple of different takes on how how death is handled. One that really struck me was in Japan, when people are cremated, they're not cremated like they are here, like mm-hmm. completely to ash. They basically cremate them, but there are still some bones that remain. Okay. And part of the saying goodbye and the last act that you can do for mm-hmm. your loved one is you go in and you're given a set of wooden and a set of metal chopsticks 
And starting at the feet and working your way up to the head, you take the bones from the ashes and you place them in an urn um, as a family. And it's kind of like this is giving, the family is giving this person that they love their last resting place, their last bit of admiration and respect. And um, I just thought it was really really interesting and so far removed from anything that would happen I think here in the United States. It makes me think of like how in the movies or TV show you see them like taking a handful of dirt and one by one it's sort of a way of like a final like a scattering of the ashes kind of it's 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 like a precursor to that scattering of the ashes kind of thing. Oh, or you're talking about the when they on put the, the casket like the dirt into the casket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the grave. I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah. That's yeah. a really great comparison as well. So it's just it's really interesting. Um, I think that Stiff would be a good companion mm-hmm. novel to this, okay. but that's it's a different perspective. This is much more narrative. It's telling the stories of these people and how they care for their dead. It's right. it's, it's a really a really cool book. And kind of along the same lines is Atlas Obscura by Joshua Foer. This was recommended by our assistant director here at the library, Erica. It is based off of a website by the same name. So you can kind of go to the website and check it out and see if it's your cup of tea. It might be the weirdest travel book ever. I could. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also fun. And it's one of those books where you can just pick it up to the middle, read a page and be like, what? And then put it to the side, you know, or like, you know, spin a globe and put your finger on it and then look right. up that place in Atlas Obscura and kind of just see what's yeah. there. Um, one of the things for Chicago <laughs> that um, I thought to be interesting was apparently there's a bronze poop fountain oh. in Chicago that an artist created. It's on his own property. It's not like part of a, a city art project. Of park. Um, <laughs> it's not next to the bean. Because he was having a problem in his neighborhood with people cleaning up after their dogs. So he wanted, like, a visual reminder. There's no report of if it's been successful or not. But now it's become, like, a a focal point for for that community. So that's a really fun book. Whether you know someone who does a lot of traveling or you know someone that's just kind of interesting in, like, the weird stuff that happens in the world, it's a good fit for both both of those. And I think the sensibility from here to eternity and Atlas Obscura is similar of this kind of like taking what you know and kind of turning it on its head and looking at it in a different way and looking at it from a global perspective as well it's kind of it's really interesting so so the next one is um, was recommended by Christy Christy is the head of our outreach department she she does um, a lot of our book clubs for our 55 plus community Mm -hmm. and so she is also she reads um, a ton she reads in a kind of a different way this particular recommendation I think she said that she listened to with her husband yeah. on a trip. So it's one of those good, like, if you're looking for a kind of driving to grandma's house over the river and through the woods and you want to listen to something um, with your partner, this might be a, a, a good choice. Yeah. It's called The Long Haul by Finn Murphy. And do you want to talk a little bit about what this book is yeah, about? I think going back to, um, you know, crazy election mm-hmm. type times that may or may not be real to our experience. Um, this book is taking a look at not just like the lifestyle of 
a truck driver, but what they see because their job has them on the ground driving through all kinds of towns all over the states. And this one in particular, Murphy is is really talking about what's going on in small town rural America. Well, and also he's not just a truck driver is my understanding. He's specifically a moving truck driver. So he sees people in a really different way because moving is such a like highly charged emotional time. And the reasons that you're moving can vary from like, great, like you have a new family, you have a new job, whatever. But it also can be awful. You've lost your job. You've you've lost a loved one you've you know whatever so kind of the the wide range of human emotions and and existence we're gonna go into some kind of foodie Mm. recommendations now i think that anything food related tends to be a really good go-to gift yeah um i don't know about you but my mom reads cookbooks like they're novels like she loves cookbooks and she will sit down and she will read it cover to cover because she's such a good cook that she can kind of see what's happening as she's reading the recipe and like is it something that you know, they say it takes an hour. Is it yeah. really going to take an hour? Um, so okay. I love to give her cookbooks because, A, she has a huge collection of them, yeah. and, B, um, because, you know, sometimes you give somebody a cookbook and they kind of flip through it, yeah. and it's like, eh. But other times, like, they really get into the meat of the of the cookbook and the, the cooking experience. So, yeah. you know, if you know people like that, um, or if you know someone who is not a cook, the first book is a really great suggestion. It's called Unique Eats and Eateries Chicago by Matt Kerouac. I put all of my trust in a man who does all of his promo photos in a banana sweater. Um, <laughs> that's just a personal quirk of mine. <laughs> um, he is he was a culinary student at Robert Morris, which is um, in the suburbs of Chicago. He moved here um, to go to culinary school. But what he ultimately found out is that he does have this great love of food, but his passion really lies in writing about food. So he has written for Zagat and Plate um, and amongst others. And this is his love letter to food in Chicago. There are 7,000 restaurants in the Chicagoland area. And so he tried to choose a mix of like high-end experience type restaurants and then like small delis and bakeries and stuff. And then stuff in between as well. And probably some stuff that people have heard of, but also some stuff that might be kind of more hidden jemmy. So if you are the kind of person that this might apply to, and (laughs) you told me that you listened to the podcast, um, why don't you go ahead and wait until after the holidays to buy this if if it's something that really sings to you um smitten kitchen every day are you do you know smitten kitchen it's a I website with the blog yeah 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 so this is um this is smitten kitchen's second book um the first one came out in 2012 it won a bunch of awards um including it was recommended as one of the top 100 cookbooks of the past 25 years the difference between that book and this book is that the woman who writes the blog when she wrote the first one she had a two-year-old so like they were at that point where they were kind of eating regular food so she could still kind of cook whatever she wanted but since then she's had a second child and now she's cooking for children so she wanted and being a mom and maintaining this very very popular blog and all of this other stuff so she wanted stuff that was accessible and easy and 
I I don't think that it's easy in the like come home and make it in 20 minutes but I think it's easy in the accessible like do you want to try making biscotti for the first time like you're not going to find a recipe that you can make biscotti in 15 minutes but you can find a recipe in this book that breaks it down in a way that if you have a Saturday afternoon and you wanted to do that you could do it and maybe even do it with your kids if that's a thing you're into and the photos um, that she she takes are I mean beautiful you could just look at the photo (laughs) yeah and drool over the food right because it's great because I don't look at cookbooks the way my mom does Uh I love really good photograph um, because that's the thing that ultimately is going to make me decide am I going to take the time to try out this recipe and she does have a lot of recipes online but there's to me something about having a book on your counter in the kitchen mm-hmm. while you're cooking that I don't even know how to describe it. I just, it to me, like having the iPad set up and having yeah. it go dark every 15 minutes and yeah. whatever is like a pain in the butt. So I really like, I really like a good cookbook yeah. and I like to get cookbooks from the library to look at them to see if there's something mm-hmm. that I would like to own. But ultimately I want to own that cookbook yeah. because if it's going to be sitting out of my counter with egg and flour yeah. <laughs> and all of that other and stuff hands. and tiny hands, uh, I don't want to bring that back yeah. to the library. When I think too, like, I mean, the iPad and kind of made cooking, you could have thousands of recipes at your fingertips, but we're finding more and more people are talking about unplugging. Mm. And one way to do that is just to go back to how we used to cook with a cookbook yeah, or a written recipe card. And right. you can, you know, disconnect from social media, whatever, have half an hour, an hour where you're doing something tactile mm-hmm. and you're just looking at print and letting your brain kind of relax. I agree. And one of the things that I really loved about this book is there's an entire section of vegetable-based main dishes. It's a great book. It's beautiful. It's lovely. Put the two together. Or this is the thing that you could buy for yourself and then use the recipes, the cookies and the cakes and all of that as the gifts, um, as an excuse to make those things and give them to friends and coworkers and hostesses and whatever. So this next book, I am so excited about this book. Um, It is flippin' beautiful. It's a beautiful book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Craft Coffee, a manual by Jessica Easto. The Craft Coffee came um, as a recommendation from Gus, who is also an adult service. Mm -hmm. Gus was like a wealth of nonfiction gift ideas. Um, So if you are on Gus's holiday list, you are very lucky because Mm -hmm. he has an eye for a gift book. It is... Um, the, a great book, Do You Have an Aspiring Hipster in Your Life? Mm-hmm. Do You Have a Newfound Coffee Lover? This is the book that you give along with yeah. the Chemex or the French Press or the Aeropress. Um, we just watched a feature on Fox News in the Morning. Um, I think it was it was the 13th of November, so... Mm-hmm. That was mon- Monday, a uh, Monday, I think, that focused on um, both the author, Jessica, who is a journalist, and Andreas Wilhoff, who is the director of education at Half Wit Coffee Roasters. He is also the director of operations for The Wormhole, which is a craft Chicago coffee shop that has gotten a lot of praise. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, coffee is not something that's new, but the idea of craft coffee, like a craft beer, where it's roasted in small batches, the 
the sourcing of the beans is something that's taken into consideration. Not only that, but like, is it the time of year in that country for the beans? You know, because yeah. um, I know that's something that they talked about at Halfwit that they only roast certain beans certain times of the year because they're not going to get them in the off yeah. season because they're not as good. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking all of the time to make this beautiful coffee, yeah, how do you then take that and have a true experience at right. home um, with those Chemex or the the French press or the Aero press where mm-hmm. you're like, this is a cool thing. I think I might like it, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. If you know some coffee snobs or if you aspire to be a coffee snob, which yep. we firmly put our seal of approval on. <laughs> um, and this is specific to coffee. They mm. don't go into espresso. Correct. For reasons. For reasons. That I feel we're pretty legit and you can read about it. Or the person you give it to can read about it. Um, or you can so read it, it is, and then give it. You just have to be really careful about that spine. Yeah. No cracking. No cracking the spines Mm-mm. before you give them as gifts. <laughs> or you can do that really fun thing where you're like, I love this book so much. Can I look at it while we sit under the tree after we open gifts? <laughs> and then I'll give it back to you before Maybe. I go home. Probably. Maybe. Or you can employ the one for you one for me method of gift giving which is not a terrible thing either so the last of the book food recommendations comes from Anne, who is in our reference department and i'm also super excited about this one Um, it's called salt fat acid heat mastering the elements of good cooking by samin nosarat Anne said If I was going to give a cookbook this year, I would pick this one. It's not just recipes. It includes a number of lessons on cooking and charmingly drawn illustrations. Samin was called The Next Julia Child by NPR. Um, So basically, she takes pretty classic recipes and breaks them down in a way way that's super accessible. So this is a great book for your friend who always orders out because they say they can't cook. Um, It's for for that girl in sourdough. For the girl in sourdough. If you were going to recommend a nonfiction book for a fictional character, it, this would be it. Because <laughs> that's the thing that happens. It, yep. Uh huh. And, um, but you know, it is like, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews that are yeah. graduating or about to graduate or about to head out into the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a really good book because it's pretty. Like, it's yeah. a pretty to look at because the illustrations are amazing. And the neat thing about having illustrations in a cookbook is they can kind of highlight the things that they want you to see that yeah. they can't necessarily do with actual food. Yeah. I was just, I had not heard of this book um, until Anne recommended it. Yeah. And, and is it explaining, like, why? Yes. Those things go together yes. the way they do, like the, yes. the chemistry that's right. happening. That's um, great. She talks about a moment from her childhood where her mother made this sandwich that was like cucumbers and goat cheese on this really lovely bread um, accompanied by like ice cold grapes or watermelon. And that combination of like salt and fat and the acidity of the fruit and and that sort of thing, why it made it such a like experience to eat. Um, And grilled cheese is one of the things she said that you can learn like the balance of food from a grilled cheese because the balance of the heat making that crispy brown and like melting the cheese Mm -hmm. and um, the saltiness mixed with um, I'm trying to remember where the acidity comes in Anyway, you can read the book to find that out. (laughs) The mystery Um, of the acidity. And she also talks about how Americans have developed a taste for rancid olive oil because almost all olive oil that is sold to us is rancid um, because we don't know the difference. (laughs) 
experience. So, like, chances are that $35 bottle of olive oil that you purchased has been on the shelf for, like, longer than it should have been. And the taste that you're tasting isn't the actual, like, true taste of olive oil. So that's another interesting part of the book, which is a sad Mm. revelation. We sit Um, on a throne of lies. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Delicious rancid lies. The next nonfiction is Radium Girls by Kate Moore. This is a historical nonfiction book that reads like a novel. Um, And that is because the author, Kate, is director, playwright, um, actor, author. Um, So she knows about telling a story and how important it is um, to tell a story. And actually, she directed a play in London about the Radium Girls. And she found it so fascinating. And she wanted to do research for the play and to to um, color her direction and she really couldn't find anything except for like scholarly research um, on the Radium Girls and so she felt compelled to tell their story. So it is the true story of the women who painted radium on clock dials and watch dials during World War One. Um, one of the plants was here in Illinois, yeah, in Ottawa. So it has a local connection. So it has a lo- local connection to us. There's a, there was another plant in New York, I believe. Okay. So basically, they would have the women do these paintings, or the painting on the watch right. and the clock tiles. They would encourage them to put the paintbrushes in their mouth. Yep. So, like, you know, to, like, make the paintbrush more pointed and precise. Right. But if it has radium on it... Which it did. Which it did. The effects are not... Good. Great. Or good. Or even fine. These poor women suffered really terrible medical conditions as a result of their, not only their exposure, but their actual, like, consuming of radium. And um, you had, you said that. um, Yeah, they would, um, obviously the radium would glow. And so they would go out dancing at night and they would paint their teeth with the radium and go dancing like that. And what kills me is that their employers knew the effect that the radium would have on these girls. They, and they're young women. They're, you know, they have a, should have had life ahead of them, but their, their employers were allowing them to be exposed to radium. Yeah, so this is a really, like, if you know someone who likes to read historically, if you know someone who um, likes a really good story, uh, I mean, not good in the results, but good as in compelling, in, in compelling and interesting. Because it reads so much like fiction, The Radium yeah. Girls is, is a great choice. Um, I'm putting a the in front of it because I'm from the Chicagoland area, <laughs> and we put the in front of everything, but it's just Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Another great piece of narrative nonfiction is Hero of the Empire, The Boer War, A Daring Escape, and The Making of Winston Churchill. That's by Candace Millard. That's recommended, recommended by me and also by Gully, who's in Popular Materials. We love Candace. She has an ability to tell a story in a way that it again it feels like a novel it feels like you're reading fiction because it's plot driven this of course is about winston churchill who is a great thought of as a great hero certainly of world war ii his stance and and his ability to communicate to the british empire um really was inspiring but long before that when he was a young man he was kidnapped while he was in south africa and he had to escape with nothing but his wits and some chocolate i would probably eat the chocolate 
and cry. <laughs> um, but he he manages a daring escape, and it's just very compelling, very interesting. It's it's nonfiction that feels like an adventure. Another recommendation by Gully at our reader services desk, and also echoed by Gus, yep. is Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and The Birth of the FBI by David Gran. Is Osage, is that correct? Osage. Osage. Like Osage Orange, maybe? Hmm. Perhaps. 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 listen to the audio. <laughs> <laughs> if only this was an audio medium. Um, but anyway, so it is, again, narrative nonfiction, clearly. That is, I mean, that's kind of the way that nonfiction is going in a lot of regards, is yeah. this very compelling um, narrative nonfiction. And it talks about kind of a dark piece of history that isn't spoken about. It's twisting, haunting, true-life murder mystery about one of the most monstrous crimes in America's history. So for your true crime buff, that's also a history buff. For anyone that you know that's interested in kind of the FBI and that kind of part of of Mm -hmm. the American fabric. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anybody who's been tuning into, like, the Dakota Pipeline Mm. and some of those, like, civil rights issues that are still happening, um, this is taking an episode in, in a American history that shows you, you know, it happened then, it's still happening now, we still have something to learn from Absolutely. our history. Absolutely. Um, uh, the next piece is more of a memoir. It's by Trevor Noah, who's the host of The Daily Show. You may know him in his compelling and ironic delivery on that show. And this gives you more of his background. It's called Born a Crime, Stories of a South African Childhood. You know, there's a lot going on in American history or you know, current events right now, but you know, the world is full of, of different stories. And this takes you to sort of post-apartheid when they're still unraveling a lot of that segregation and um, trying to find some um, peace in the chaos of it, of those changes. And so that's his experience growing up with a parent who was black, a parent who is white, and finding that identity and, of course, told in his style, which is... And I find with books like this, like this book by Trevor Noah, but also you know anything, uh, Amy Poehler's book, Tina Fey's book, you know, Stephen Colbert's book, right. basically any book that is written by an author that is known for their for performing, if there is an audiobook companion that they read themselves, yep. I almost always choose the audiobook. And I think audiobooks are are a great gift. Yeah. And, you know, Maybe you think about giving an Audible subscription. Right. Maybe you, um, you, you know, um, for people who are more podcast listeners than they are readers, um, to kind of get them to still give that that love of books, but right. in maybe a different a different way. Yeah. So, Hillbilly Elegy, a memoir of family and culture in crisis by J.D. Vance. You may have heard of this book. It's gotten a ton of buzz. There are a lot of people because it's really very timely. It's written by a former Marine and Yale Law School graduate um, about growing up poor in the Rust Belt. It offers a broader probing look at the struggles of America's white working class. The Economist has said that you will not read a more important book about America this year. If you know someone who really loves Hillbilly Elegy, or I don't know if it's a book that you love, but it's a book that that really sticks with you, um, that makes you want to explore more. There are a couple other books, um, The People Are Going to Rise, Like Waters Upon Your Shore, A Story of America Rage um, by Jared Yates Sexton, or Unbelievable, My Front Row Seat to the Craziest Campaign in American History by um, Katie Turr, are both books that are are good companions. So you could do a bundle of all three, or if you know that Hillbilly Elegy is a book that has hit someone that you um, love 
love strongly and they might want to do more reading in the same vein. Yeah. These are all really good choices right. for that. I think in, also in the vein of the long haul, I think this is just a, a portion of America that we're now starting to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, so great that way. Um, and we're kind of going to shift gears in our gift giving. Did you see me shift gears with my I hand? S- That's really effective in an audio <laughs> medium. <laughs> also, I don't drive sticks. Um, so I just kind of moved my hand around. Um, I, it was realistic to thank me. Thank you. But I also do Did not drive Did you feel like you were on the road with me? Yep. Yeah, great. Here we go. Down this other road. Where's the clutch? In this other direction is the life. Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Gus recommended this. Um, This is a book that has kind of been sweeping (laughs) Um, for a couple years now. People um, either really, really embrace it or really, really don't. Um, So gauge it. Gauge it. I am wondering who (laughs) you would give this book to. Um, I like the idea of it, but it's like, how do you give this book maybe an I don't know. I was going to say a new homeowner, but they don't have the clutter yet, necessarily. Who would you not give this to, and who, what would you not give it with? I feel like it would not pair well with a mop. <laughs> I was going to say, like, a bucket or, of cleaning supplies. Yeah, no. like, this no. is a, you know, this is a great book, but try You have to really listeners. know and love the person yes, that you're giving this to, to and they you. need to, like, perhaps someone that you've had many conversations about with, like, yeah. my New Year's resolution is to is to clutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, here's this book. But, you know, there's that fine line between gift and insults. And among the same vein, when we were having this discussion, there's a new book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margarita Magnuson, who, if I didn't love my parents so much, this is the book that I would give them. Because basically the philosophy is when you get to be about middle-aged, mm-hmm. you need to start looking at the things that you own in a way, in a different way. Yeah. So you can't take it with you. Nope. Does your family want it? Mm-hmm. Are your children planning to set your house on fire when you die just to get rid of all of your stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of the thought behind this is that my understanding is is that in the Swedish tradition, when you get to be about this age, mm-hmm. you're about or when you're about empty nesting, maybe you downsize to a smaller place and you kind of look at your things in a different way. Yeah. If you're still loving them and enjoying them and using them, definitely keep them. If there is some sort of historical antique clock or something that you know that is something that your children would like mm-hmm. to have, um, then you keep that. The 12 boxes of Christmas decorations... Mm. Maybe pare those down a little bit. Yeah. Maybe go down to one or two Christmas trees instead of yeah. four or five. You are allowed to throw away the string of life that doesn't work. You are. That is absolutely true. But also, like, maybe there is someone that could use those Christmas decorations yeah. um, that isn't your children or anyone that you might pass things down to. Um, so maybe take that time now while they're nice and they haven't been sitting in an attic for 30 years right. to give them to um, a family or an organization or something that can put those things to yeah. good use. So um, if if the life-changing magic of tidying up goes over really well, mm-hmm. January 2nd, you have a follow-up book that you can gift for New Year's. Um, so the next one is another one from our friend Anne in the 
reference department. It's called National Geographic The Photo Arc, One Man's Quest to Document the World's Animals. It's a great book for animal lovers. It's one of those books that you can just flip through and look at the amazing, beautiful photos. Um, But it also has scientific essays to make you think. It talks about conservation. It talks about endangered species. So it's one of those books that if you like to give a book that can sit out and and be experienced um, as kind of a coffee table experience, Mm -hmm. it's a good choice for you. The next one is Leonardo da Vinci, a biography by Walter Isaacson. Um, He wrote a biography about Steve Jobs and Einstein, I believe. He's a well-sought-after biographer, and that has been a pretty popular high demand at the library. So if you've got a biography lover or if you've got somebody who is a follower of Walter Isaacson. Or just someone who loves art. Yeah. That's by Joel Sartori or Sartori maybe. Um, And Douglas H. Chadwick. In addition to Walter Isaacson. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a collaboration piece. Mm -hmm. The last in our nonfiction recommendations is a book called Playing with Superpower by Sebastian Haley and Megan Marie. This book I am so excited about apparently it's the second book the first one is just called playing with power not playing with superpower the first book focuses on the original Nintendo gaming system it looks like a Nintendo game and this playing with superpower looks like this NES console game it goes through the history and the development it talks about um, different levels of the games from the first games that were um, created for the different consoles through the evolution of of games it kind of breaks them into time periods specifically looks at important games or notable games um, and kind of breaks them down how they were created and includes maps and it is a really really rad book and I feel like anyone who has that kind of nostalgia and then you got, you know, there's a lot of that nostalgia, I think, with, you know, a few years ago with Ready Player One, um, Artemis is out, um, and, you know, with Stranger Things, they're going mm-hmm. to the arcade, you know, so there's that that wanting to re-experience sort of what that was like to go be a kid playing those games, going to the arcades and things like that. So, um, super visual book, and that was, did we talk about? That was recommended by Gus. That was also recommended by Gus. Yeah. Just assume that they were probably recommended I mean, by Gus or Anne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we love talking about all these books and stuff so much that it went way longer than we thought it was. Long. That's good for you because um, we had said this was going to be a monthly podcast, but this month we're going to go ahead and break it into two parts. Yeah. So the first part will be adult fiction and nonfiction, and the second part will be teen and children's Correct. with our added um, book gift recommendations added on at the end um so please take the time to listen to both we're going to make it a little bit more bite-sized for you so extra bonus holiday gift to you (laughs) is us twice in one month um so please listen and enjoy you've been listening to three books an ela area public library podcast engineered by celicia abigate and produced by us. Our theme music is provided by Lache Swing, and our artwork was created by Rachel Davis. Write to us at threebookspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you're reading and giving this holiday season. And stop by Elo Library to request a copy of the books that you heard about today if you would like to read them for yourself. You can find the titles we've discussed at eapl.org slash three books, and that's spelled out T-H-R-E-E-B-O-O-K-S. I am Becca Boland. And I'm Kristen Weiser. Three, you later!